This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Parshas Pinchas 5781, Perak Chaf Hei Pasuk Yud Dalet. The name of the Jewish man who was hit, that was hit together with Midianite woman, was Zimri ben Salu, Nesives of La Shimoni. He was the Nasi of the father's household in Shimon, in Shevet Shimon. Now the next passage goes into Cusby's name. And the obvious question is, is where the Misa of Cusby and Zimri, where Pinchas kills them, is actually at the end of Parshas Boak. Right? Parshas Pinchas is just the reward of Pinchas. Pinchas, but those of an hour coin, hey, Shivis Hamasim Abene Yisrael, Rabbi Kanos Kinasi Bisokham. So everything we hear is a reward. The mice that happened in last week's Parsha. So if it's Lashon Hara to say who Zimri and Kuzbi was, which I can understand, that could be considered Lashon Hara. If that's Lashon Hara, then why would we mention their names over here in Parsha's Pinchas? And if it's not Lashon Hara, and it's okay to say, then why wouldn't you mention their names back then when it actually happened? Instead of saying an Ish Yisrael, right, with an Ish of Midianis, just say Zimri and Kuzbi. Just say their names. Yeah. Even more so, I mean, you can still speak Lashon Har about the dead, right? You need to chazer your chafetz chaim. You can still say, don't speak Lashon Har about the dead. It's actually worse because you got to go to their grave, etc. But yeah, don't, don't speak Lashon Har about the dead. Lashon Har can still be about the dead itself. But Rashi says that the reason why the Pusik is mentioned over here is because once we praise the tzaddik, Pinchas, for everything he did, wow, Pinchas, you're awesome. Look at what you just did over here. At the same time, we degrade Zimri, the Russia, for all the terrible things that he did. Hear it? Like, once we're praising Pimchas, then we say, okay, Zimri, and you did the following. The Pusik, funnily enough, though, if you look at this Pusik, it doesn't say what he did wrong. It doesn't say, Pimchas, it says, hey, Shifis Hamasi Malbin That's an awesome thing. Look at what Pimchas did. He's awesome because he did X, Y, and Z. But by Zimri, it doesn't say what he did badly. All it says is, look at the words. Shame Ish Yisrael HaMuket, Asher Hikas and Midianis, who was hit together with Midianis, Zimri Ben Salu. And in fact, the Pesach says a praise of him. Nisive Sabla Shimoni. He was a Nasi. He was a great person. That sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? So it seems strange. The Gur Aryeh says in answer is the morale, the greater a person is, the greater his sin is. So by saying he's in a sea-based Avlashimoni, that's actually a knockdown of Zimri. Wow, he was a Nasi, and yet he still did this? What kind of a person would do this if they were truly a Nasi in Yisrael? And that's the reason why it's mentioned over here. But it's really strange, isn't it? What an unbelievable thing. The Kliyakar gives a different answer. He says, that may be why we're darshaning the name. Rabbi Yochan in the Gemara darshan the name of Zimri ben Salu and says some terrible things about Zimri ben Salu and what he did with Kuzbi, etc. Right? Beitz and Muzeres and Salu, whatever, with his Mishpacha, the shame of the Mishpacha. The Kliakar says it must be because there's nothing else bad in this Pasuk. If we're degrading the Russia, like Rashi says, degrade him. Say something bad about him. Says the Kliakar, thus the Gemara says, Zimri ben Salu was the degradation. Calling him Zimri ben Salu after the things that he did wrong shows us what kind of a person he is. Because his real name was Shaul ben Akananis, or his real name was Shlumiel ben Suri Shadoi. But we're calling him Zimri ben Salu to show something bad. That's the bad thing. This is the bad thing that we mentioned over here. What an unbelievable thing, but it's still strange. The Rabbeinu Bechayah, 
the Rabbeinu Ephraim, the Panach Raza, and the Tzor Hamor, right? Rishon and Tzor Hamor is an early Akron, says this is more about being Pogim the family than it is about him. We knocked down Shevet Shimon. We're looking at Shimon. We're like, this is your Nasi. How could your Nasi have done this? Shimon was Goder Me'arayis. Do you remember? Shimon and Levi went to fight an entire city of Shechem because of what happened to their sister Dina. They were willing to fight anybody over what had happened to Dina itself. Hakizona Yases Achosenu. Do you want our sister to be known as a Zona? That's what they went in and said. And Shechem, with Dina and Shechem, and now his own son, Shimon, who married Dina, because of what happened to Shechem, had a child, Shaul ben Akinanis. Right? That Shaul ben Akinanis comes along and he porates that gather. How could he have done this? It's more of like a knockdown of Shevet Shimon. Look at your Shevet. Look how far you've fallen that your Nasi is taking down what your, your Shevet's name, Shimon himself, was able to be go to Merais. That's the idea of it. In fact, HaKadosh Baruch Hu had to add a Yud from his name to their name, Shimoni. Everybody see that at the end of the Pasuk? Shimoni, in order to remember what Shimon did in Shechem. That's how the Panayach Raza puts it, that a Yud was brought in because Zimri made Hashem forget everything, so to speak. Shevet Shimon was decreed to almost die and be killed out because of what he did, and therefore we add on a Yud as a timeout. I don't understand this Rishon at all. Because if you add the Yud, look what letter is taken out of Shimon's name. What letter is out of Shimon's name? The Vav. So you're le- losing the letter Vav of a Kaddish Baruch's name and you're adding a Yud of Hashem's name? What would be the point of that? So I thought maybe because the Vav sometimes represents Arias, right? Because of certain ideas, the Yisod, etc. I don't know, but like that's weird that we're taking one letter away and putting another letter to put in a Kaddish Baruch's name to remind a Kaddish Baruch of the Schuss of Shimon. Tamadas is where Sternbach wonders why Shimon had to be punished. Again, this was Zimri. This wasn't Shevet Shimon per se. Shimon himself was a great person. What did they do wrong to, that, that happened over here? And the answer is, and I think it's kind of obvious, anybody who went through the Parsha, Shevet Shimon was complicit. They didn't say anything. They looked at what was happening with Zimri and they agreed with it. 24,000 people from Shevet Shimon were killed. Pinchas himself was afraid of being killed because of the way that, that, that Zimri was acting. Right? In other words, it, it's, Pinchas himself was afraid that the rest of Shevet Shimon was going to come after him. It sounds like Shevet Shimon was not just complete. They were involved in this issue. And that's the reason why they were scared of what was going to happen over here. Perhaps that's the reason why they got knocked down. Listen to this Dubno Magin. Guys, I don't often do... The Magid, the, the Dubna Magid, and Moshele Yaakov, uh, the Moshele Yaakov that he has. But listen to this. He gives a Moshele. How to explain that a Kaddish Baruch who is raising up the level of Tzadikim and degrading the Rashaim. He says there was an older merchant who decided that he could no longer travel to all these faraway places that he used to do all his business in. He used to take these long trips, you know, by wagon, etc. And then eventually get to this place and he'd do his business. Now with that, he was too old for it. So he decided from now on, my son is going to take over the business. He's going to go travel. He's going to do everything. That's how the Dubno Magid puts it. It's a great, you know, that, 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 that's what happens the way of the world, right? The son takes over the father's business and that's that. So his mother, this guy's wife, the older merchant's wife, sets him up for success, packs his bags and gets everything ready for him so that he knows exactly what he's taking. After all, she's been packing her husband's bags for years. She knows exactly what her husband needed. Now she knows what her son needs. And he made sure that he knew exactly where everything was. She packs a bunch of, you know, cured meats and all these types of things, putting them inside the bag in this way and that way and whatever, so that he'd be able to take it out and be able to eat it when it's there. And he told him, don't worry, son, I've got this over here, I've got that over there. Everything's taken care of. Whenever you need food, everything's right there. And then she remembers this one last thing, his medicine. He was 
deathly allergic to certain things. And because he's going to areas where the climate might go up and down or whatever it is, his allergies might go crazy. So we, she has the allergy medicine in one specific place. She's talking about the food and she's all excited. She's like, this is where I have this and this. I put that and these biscuits, etc., and everything over there. Then she gets the medicine and I'm like, and if you get sick, I need the medicine. The medicine's in this compartment right over there. Says the Dubna Magid. Why is it that when she's talking about the food, she seems happy? She's got a smile on her face. She's excited to tell him. But when she's talking about the medicine, all of a sudden, she has a long face. She's frowning. She's upset about it. She sounds like, oh, if it... And the answer is obvious, says Yudub because the food is something he's going to enjoy. The medicine she hopes he'll never have to use. The medicine's only there if he absolutely needs it, but hopefully he'll never need it, and therefore you don't have to worry about anything. So the nimshal, says the Dubna Magid, is that a Karish Baruch who wants us to be successful in everything we do. He wants our fortune to be won in any way that we possibly can. But there's always a Korach or a Zimri. There's always a Korach or a Zimri. So he reminds us to be careful not to go too far so you don't fall into the camp of a Korach or a Zimri. That's why Hashem announces the praises of the Tzadikim, telling us, this is what I want you to be like. Look at a Moshe Rabbeinu. Look at a Yoshua. Look at a Miriam. These are amazing people. I want you to be like them. And the degradation of a Russia. He doesn't want to mention the Russia, but he has to remind you just in case there's also a Korach and a Zimri. There's always someone there. So Hashem mentions out loud and is happy to mention the stuff about the Tzaddik. The Tzaddik, he's ready to go out there and tell you everything. By the Russia, he barely mentions them. And guys, that's the line. The famous line, Zecher Tzaddik Lebracha. He remembers the Tzaddik as a bracha so that everybody knows the Tzaddik is there. Shame Rashaim, the name of the Rashaim Yerkov. He hopes that they rot. He realizes that he has to mention them, but he doesn't want to. It's a bad thing for the Rishayim to be mentioned. That's the idea. You know what's funny? Like, what would you have said? Zecher tzadik lebracha. Vezecher Rishayim leklala. Shouldn't it be? I mean, if you're going with the opposite of bracha, the, the converse would be a klala. But it's not. It's shame Rishayim Yerkov. Because the different issue, says the Dubna Magad. He doesn't want to mention the Rishayim. He mentioned them because he has to. And that's the shot over here. When we ask the question on Rashi, and we ask, wait a second, where's the degradation? Where's the bad stuff? Hashem doesn't want to mention the bad stuff. He just knows that he has to say, by the way, guys, Zimri. And you'll be like, oh yeah, Zimri. We better stay away from that. That's all he wants us to do. Zechot Salah and Shem Rishayim, your cub. That's all it should be. That's how the Dubna Magi puts it. It's a beautiful shot. Rashi says, there were five Bate Avos for Shevet Shimon. And that's later on in the Parsha. Those who went through the Parsha already know that we go through all the numbers in the Parsha. And one of the numbers, we go through the Bate Avos, the head families in Shevet Shimon. There are five of them. Zimri apparently was the head of one of them. It sounds like Zimri's not the Nasi of the whole Shevet. He's just the father, the head of a certain family. That's it. But we have a Gemara. Sanhedrin Pei Beis and Mabes. The Gemara in Sanhedrin says that Zimri ben Salu is the same as Shlumiel ben Suri Shadoi. Shlumi ben Suri Shadoi was the Nasi of Shevet Shimon. We mentioned it before, right? And in fact, this is a good gematria. The Balaturim brings this down. Shlumiel is the gematria of 417. The gematria of Zeh Zimri ben Salu. As a timeout, it's off by one. But we know God is involved. So we're always good with one. That's how the Balaturim does things. That's the Nasi of all of Shevet Shimon. So why are we mentioning that he's only the Nasi of the base Av of Shimon? He should be the Nasi of all of Shevet Shimon. So Targum Yonason says as well as many other Rishonim, they all ask the same question. What in the world? Why does the Pusik mention that he was a Nasi base Av if he was really the Nasi of the entire Shevet Shimon? It should say Nasi Lashimoni. 
right? That's what it should say over here. So why was he only called that? So it could be that that's why Rashi brings a Dabar Acher. That the first shot is, is that he's only the Nasi of a Beisav, and that's that. And Zimri is not Shlumi of Ansarjai, and that's that. But the second shot he gives is in Dabar Acher, Dabar Acher, that Zimri is an important person. It's because it's possible the only reason we mention this, and this is the idea of praising the tzaddik and then getting the degradation of the Russia to tell us even though he was the Nasi, even though he was this crazy important person, the Nasi of his entire Shevet, nonetheless we knock him down. I don't know though, according to the second shot, why we would even mention in the Pasuk Beisav. It's not really answering the question, but that's how the Targum Yonason seems to say it, and it seems to be a little bit of an idea over here of what's mentioned over here. There is a Dorash Moshe and Kol Moshe from Moshe Feinstein that talk about this. You can look it up yourselves. The Dorash Moshe does have some the Orachayim Akadosh explains it pretty clearly. Hashem clearly did not want to mention the person that sinned. Since his name isn't mentioned, Bishas Maisa, it's clear. He didn't want the guy to be mentioned. Zimri is not there. But then, if the Pusik purposely kept their names hidden, why would you mention it now? It's like a Gemara. If anybody remembers the Gemara in Shabbos, well, you mentioned, I think it's Pei Alva and Beis Pei Beis Alva. I think it's right over there in Shabbos. But it could be Tzadi Aleph. I don't remember. I have to look it up. Where I mentioned Slavchad. And there's Machlokis, right? Was Slavchad one of the Mapilim? Or was the Makoshish Eitzim? Was the guy who gathered the wood? Or was one of the Mapilim? And Rabbi Akiva says he was one of the Mapilim. And Rabbi Yudah ben Becerra says to Rabbi Akiva, Akiva, either way, you're going to have to be punished for this. Because if the Pusik hit his name, why would you go up and say it? If the Pusik said he's one of the Mapilim, why would you say that that's Slavchad? Why would you say it? And if not, then you make Motsi Laz al Tzadik. He wasn't one of the Mapil. I mean, you're saying that he is. How could you say it? That's how Rabbi Yudam Becerra said it to Rabbi Kiva and looked at him that way. So this seems to be the exact same thing. HaKadosh Baruch Hu does not want to publicize the name of the Roshani, but why in the world are you mentioning this over here? Right? Why would you mention Zimri's name? Says the Orachim This is a beautiful shot. The reason we mention Zimri now is because we want you to know, it's similar to Rashi, but a little bit of a difference, how great Pinchas is. He was willing to take on a Nasi in Klal Yisrael, not just Samayid. A Nasi in Klal Yisrael got up, made a decision, and even Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't answer him back. He went up to Moshe, Moshe is this mutter Rasser. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, I couldn't remember. And he said, well, who matured the Midianis for you? You married a Midianis. You married Sipora. Who matured her for you? And Moshe Rabbeinu didn't know what to say. And he's dragging Cosby. And Pinchas is willing to go up against a Nasi who just stumped Moshe Rabbeinu. That shows you the true greatness of Pinchas. Who he was, we didn't have to mention him. We didn't have to. There was no reason to mention him whatsoever. But you know why we do? To show you how great Pinchas is. See, how Rashi said it was, is that if you're going to mention the greatness of a tzaddik, we should also mention the evil of the Russia. It's not what we're saying here, says the Orachim HaKadosh. We're mentioning who the Russia is specifically because we're trying to tell you how great Pinchas was. Pinchas had achieved his shlemus, his greatness, because killing a normal guy in a situation like this is understandable. Killing a Nasi shows that you're awesome. Pinchas, you're crazy. You're crazy. You're willing to do this. That's why we mention his name. The Meloa Omer says this Orachim is the reason why Pinchas was able to become a Kohen who served in the base of Mikdash, even though normally a Kohen who kills someone cannot do the Avoda. I know, I, I, I shouldn't say. I know someone. I know someone who got into a car accident. A Kohen who got into a car accident. It was his fault. Got into a car accident and the person was killed. And there was a psak made for that Kohen that he could not do Birchas Kohenim. Now again, I don't know if everybody holds with that psak. I don't know. But the psak that was given to him was that he can no longer do the Avoda. Because of that, that was it. He can't do it because of Kohen that kills. 
right? I don't know if that's a psaq for everyone. I actually can tell you that I know that there's a psaq that's been mentioned before that he wouldn't have to. But that coin can't do it. Pinchas? What's up with Pinchas? Pinchas is clearly doing the avoda. Not only this, he becomes a Kohen from this Misa. From killing someone, he becomes a Kohen. How could he be a Kohen? And don't, don't tell me, oh, maybe he wasn't the Kohen Gadol. There is no question that Pinchas is the Kohen Gadol. He's mentioned by Tosis in Yuma. There's no question. If Pinchas is Elio and Avi, maybe, maybe he wasn't a Kohen Gadol. Maybe he was just a Kohen. But it seems pretty obvious that he worked in the, in the, as one of the Ovdim in the Beis Mikdash. How could it possibly rear? Says Malo Omer, the Pshat is. If you look in the Pasuk, do you see that wording? The shame ish Yisrael HaMukeh. The name of the Jew who was already hit, says the Malo Omer. It's as if he was already killed because he did a Misa that was so evil, Zimri. So evil. Therefore, Zimri was already dead when Pinchas killed him. And even though a Kohen who kills someone cannot do the Avodah in the base of Mekdash, if a Kohen kills a Nafal, a child who was already dead. If a coin kills someone who's already on his deathbed, a gosace, he might still be able to do the avoda. And therefore, over here, Zimri killed someone who was already dead. Sorry, Pinchas killed someone who was already dead, Zimri. And therefore, he's allowed to do, he's allowed to be a full-fledged Kohen from that point on. Says Moomer, based on the Orachayim HaKadosh, that we're saying we're only mentioning how great Pinchas was, that's the shot why Pinchas is able to become a Kohen Gadol because of what Zimri had already done. Yeah. So, but I mean, Pinchas was not a Kohen when he killed Zimri. So no. He got the I, I, there's some machlokas about that, but it seems no. Okay, so you said, I'm saying he got the Kuna because it's, of Yeah, it's a machlokas, but yeah, in this shot, yeah. So, 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 so maybe that's the answer. Maybe because he, he didn't kill somebody when he was a Kohen, he killed somebody when he was a Stroll. That's strange. Isn't it strange, though, that a Kohen loses his avoda if he kills at that moment, and yet this person becomes a Kohen? Because of that, of that same Misa, a Misa of murder, he becomes a coin through it. A coin gets passled from it. He's becoming a coin through it. That's even worse. Uh, no, but I'm saying, but it, it could be that the, the tumor does, that it doesn't work that way. Like the tumor doesn't stick because on him because it's not a coin. It's strange. It, and also, the other thing I, is, it's strange that that would make him a coin. That's it. That's not saying. Maybe but yeah, becoming a coin is like becoming a gear, or like you're reborn. It's not though. Okay. I mean, the truth is, uh, I, we don't have that concept. The only time, the oh right, the only time we'd have that concept, the only time we'd have that concept is by Aaron and his sons becoming Kohanim, and by Pimchas. But we'd have to have an actual thing of Gersh and his guts and Shinola dumb, You know what I'm saying? And by the way, as a, as a side note, you should know Eliezer, Elazar. I'm sorry, Elazar and Itamar. Elazar married one of the daughters of Yisro. He married a Gioras, but he was the Kohen Gadol. Which is super interesting because he married the Gioras while he was still not a coin. And then he became a coin. So it doesn't say anywhere that he had to divorce his wife. It seems like something was different. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't think the concept of Gershinitzka would be coin Shinitzkain. <laughs> I don't think that exists, right? But it would be a cool idea. Yeah. Elazar, the son of Aaron, right? Pinchas' mother was Yisro's daughter. Right, according to the metric. So his Yisro's daughter, that's why he's called Ben Poti, because he was the son of a guy whose grandfather did that, whatever. What? Yeah, bro, yeah. The Kasha is, and this is the Kasha, this is one of my big ones. I don't, look, this metric is absolutely unbelievable. When in the world would a Luzer have married Yisro's daughter? When would that have happened? And remember, Pinchas is now, right? It, it sounds like Pinchas was already around in the beginning of the Midbar, but when did this happen? If it happened after he became a Kohen, then he couldn't marry Yisro's daughter. Yisro's daughter was Gioras. 
if it happened beforehand, right, if it happened beforehand, that's also a little bit questionable that Yisro and his, Yisro brought, you know, Tzipora and her two sons to the Midbar, but it doesn't say he brought his other daughters. Maybe he did, and Elazar fell in love, and that's that, and Pinchas you know, was born from that relationship, but that's that. But it sounds like Elazar married this girl when they were in Mitzrayim. But Yisro left Mitzrayim 40 years earlier. So uh, when did Elazar marry Yisro's daughter? I, I'm, I'm lost by it, lost. But if Elazar did marry Yisro's daughter, right, when did that happen and how did it happen is a pella. I'd love to see someone that talks about it. I've never seen anyone that talks about it, right? Those are, that's the one of my six questions. But I'm sorry? The Levim were not really enslaved. Even so, you wouldn't marry... Uh, where did the daughter of Yisro come in? Oh, no, 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 the, the, the question of traveling. You only have that riot because Aaron was able to leave in order to find Moshe Rabbeinu. But even then, there's... Chavetzelis uh, talks about this. I, he didn't go further outside of Mitzrayim. He went only in a certain area. It doesn't seem like everybody was allowed to leave the way they were. And plus, why would Elazar have left? Okay, either way, there's a lot to it. It's just, it's, I, it's, it's just strange. I'm sorry? And then met Yisro's daughter... When he's sending back Yis, so when just think about this, Sipora was sent back, right? And Elazar's like, oh, but I, I want Yisro's other daughter to come back with me. And I was like, okay, that's fine, right? Sipora is sent back, and he brings another daughter with. It's a fella. When did that happen? Because you're bringing more slaves into Mitzrayim. In other words, we're in slavery. Don't bring her in to some place that's going to be really difficult. Right? That's that. Yeah, technically. It's, it's, it's just strange. Myself. It's strange. It's just strange. That's what it would be. In Tom Bedas, where Sturmbach says that it's likely... Why, yeah. Weren't they Levine? Who? Weren't they Levine? Yeah, for sure. So that's what Dave said before. Yeah, in Echnami. But even if they weren't working, you can't just leave Mitzrayim. It seems like nobody was able to leave Mitzrayim. Aaron was the exception. But there were still Jews. They, they weren't letting Jews go. We don't have any record of any Levium leaving, aside from our own to greet Moshe. That was the only one, yeah. I think what he's asking is, why is it a problem to bring Sephora or this other daughter in if they're not even going to be working? I think that's what he's talking about. Oh, they're not working? That's what you're asking? But that's a different story. We kind of talked about that before, because Sephora, even if she wasn't going to work, you're bringing her into a massive of slavery where nothing's good. Why would you bring her down here, send her back, and she'll come and meet you later? I don't know if they're really related. Yes, they're doing whatever Livium had to do. But nonetheless, you're still bringing into a situation that's not a great situation. And that's the idea behind it. Tom Vadas Schoenbach says, it's likely, right, that it, why Pinchas' name is not mentioned in the Bible because we don't want people to think of Pinchas as a murderer. You know, it, it says over here, Shem Ish Yisrael Hamukeh Asher Hika Esamidyanis Zimri Ben Salu. It doesn't say Hamukeh Al Yidei Pinchas. It doesn't say who killed him. You know Why? Because we don't want people to think, even though we know Pinchas killed him, we don't want people to think that Pinchas is a murderer. That's what we don't want people to think of. So Pinchas is not mentioned over here at all. So we eventually can call Kohen Gadol and they don't think of him as an actual murderer. You should know, this is also quoted by Yalku Ruveni, in the name of the Zohar. And truthfully, Pinchas did not want to do what he did. He had no desire. He simply did what he had to do to make a Kiddush Hashem. That was the deal. Likely, I would assume that Pinchas had a lot of pain by killing somebody and had a lot of Agmas Nefesh. We talked about it before where Pinchas was really a man of Shalom. But he did what he needed to do in order to get rid of Zimri. Yeah. Was he told to do this? Remember, he was. He said to Moshe Rabbeinu, this is the law, right? That Kanoim Poginbo, that you have to do it. And Moshe Rabbeinu told him, Kraina de Igrisa, the reader of the letter, Parvunka, you should be the one to follow it through. So no, he was never commanded. He did so it on his own. So, but we know in, in 
all, but that when people do things they're not commanded to do, bad things happen to them. Except he went to Moshe Rabbeinu first. Yeah, That's the difference. Oh, right. He was told by Moshe. Right. You allowed to perform. He said that this wasn't something he wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, am I mistaken in that what I heard? The way he killed them, like he pierced through them, yeah. like a spear or something. Yeah. And then didn't the he roll them up so everyone for? for yeah, the miracles, the miracles that happened. It sounds like if you go through with it, and then instead of just leaving, you actually parade through the streets to show everyone what happened. That, that doesn't sound like someone who... No, I agree. If it was me, then I'd 100% pray through it. Oh, look what I just did! This is amazing! Yeah. Right, I agree. I'm not Pinchas. Pinchas is not me. The fact that he got the bris of Shalom afterward and not the bris of a spear afterward, right, shows you that he clearly was a man of peace who did what he needed to do. So the parading through the streets was to show everyone this is what this person did and this is what should happen to such a person. But again, there's a difference in how you go about it. If he's parading through the street being like, I am the greatest, then if he has like that, you know, a little bunch of people like heralding his arrival and going through like that, that's one thing. But it's clearly a miracle. You think you can hold two people on a spear as you're holding them up in the air? Like, that's crazy. That's a miracle beyond miracles. Right, aside from that, right? And aside from how it looked, yes. Rebbe, when you say that, that uh, they, he asked, and he, he was told by Moshe Rabbeinu to go ahead and yeah, do, to do it. it. So how do, you, how do you reconcile that with not being commanded to do it? He's not commanded. He, Moshe Rabbeinu suggested, you should be the one to go ahead and go through with it. But he's not commanding him because you can't command. This is the crazy thing. Kanoyan Poginbo, which means in a situation where they were in, where a man and a woman are together, right? It's us or completely. The idea of Kanoyan Poginbo, if you're a Kanoi and you feel the zealousness of a Kodesh Baruch at that moment, then you're allowed to do something right then. But if you don't feel it, you can't do it. If you're not a Kanoi, you cannot do it. So Iulabe Pervunka means if you feel you can do it, you can do it. He's giving him permission, the Rishus that you said before. But he's not commanding him. There's a very big difference between saying, Moshe Rabbeinu says, Pinchas, it's on you versus Iulabe Pervunka. You're the messenger if you choose to so do it. There's a very big difference. It's almost like Moshe Rabbeinu being told to accept the Erevrav if he wants it or send the Maraglim if you want to do it. Take the brick out of the, you know, the child that's in the bricks if you want. HaKadosh Baruch was not commanding him to do it, but if you want, you can go ahead. You just have to be a person who can do it at that time, but not a command. He was never Mitzvah. Yeah. Why was Pinchas the one that should do it? I don't understand. Like, why not anyone else? Like, why was he Zoha? Yeah. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. That we don't know. Most likely, there's something behind him. I look at the name. I, this is a story for another time altogether, but there's an unbelievable Adaris Eliyahu, the Benish Chai, in the beginning of Adaris Eliyahu, which is one of the Sfarim and Chumash. He has like 12 Sfarim and Chumash. But Adaris Eliyahu has about five, six, seven pages on the Neshamas of Pinchas. One of the things he says is that Pinchas is comprised of a bunch of Neshamas that, of people that hated Arias. For example, look at the name of Pinchas. You see that name? Pe Yud Nun Ches Samach, right? Pinchas is made of the words Noach, and Yosef. Pei, Yud, Samach, and Nun, Ches. Noach, obviously, from he was God and Arise by the times of the Arise themselves, and Yosef, at Tzadik, staying away from Ashes Potiphar. There's a connection between them, and it's clear within his name himself that he was somebody who was God or Arise. So maybe you could say it's connection with Neshama. He also was connected, as we all know, to Nadav and Avihu, who were willing to push themselves in a place that other people wouldn't go. That's what Nadav and Avihu did. Now he's doing it in the right way, because what did Nadav and Avihu do wrong? They went and they brought the Torahs without permission from Moshe Rabbeinu, and now they get permission from Moshe Rabbeinu. Look at that. And then, I'm sorry? They were Kanoim, but Kanoim, though, is too much. And I'll tell you another Kanoim, which we all know Pinchas is connected to, Eliyahu Anavi. 
And two of those Nishamas Eliyahu, Eliyahu Meshavit, Gud and Eliyahu Navi from Rachel, whichever, whatever that means. But Eliyahu Navi's Nishama was in there. He's also a Kanoi. It's straight up that he's a Kanoi. It's written in Tanakh that he was a Kanoi for Klal Yisrael. Kano Kinesi, Le Klal Yisrael, which is the reason why we connected, by the way, to Kanois Kinesi. And it says, by Eliyahu Navi, Kano Kinesi. So we see that they're connected to one another. Pinchas may even be Eliyahu Navi if Pinchas lived long enough to be able to be Eliyahu Navi. He became a hermit and then eventually reappeared as Eliyahu Navi. If not the same neshama, connected in their neshamas, right? Whatever it is. But all of these people were gadur from things going around them and did their own thing, which is an amazing thing to think about. There's so much here. Listen, if we wanted to give a whole share on Pinchas, just on the name Pinchas, it would take me at least, that would be an hour right there. Just that Adar Zaliyahu, that six, seven page Adar Zaliyahu is one of the craziest, it's one of the craziest Benish guys. And for a Benish guy to be crazy, you know it's nuts. <laughs> like, it's, it's beyond anything. This is an unbelievable idea. So I think that's the idea behind it that he was actually that's part of the halacha okay and that's that and we talked that the, the Al-Kuruveni quotes in the name of the Zohar itself the Ksam Sofer in Torah's Moshe Torah's Moshe says Zimri is the same as Shlumiel Sh- uh, Shlumiel Shlumiel ben Suri Shadoi which means the following I want you to think about this for a second Shlumiel ben Suri Shadoi was one of the Nesim he was alive during the times of the Maraglim which means he must have been over 60 by the times of the Maraglim. Why? Because anybody who was between the ages of 20 and 60 by the times of Maraglim died over the next 39 years. If Shlumi of Ansuri Shadoi is alive now, then that tells us that he must have been over 60 then. And this is 40 years later. I'm sorry? Under 20 and we'd been made the, made the Nasi? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, if he was 19 and made the Nasi, that's crazy. He must have been over 60. And if he's over 60, then now he's over 100. He's 100 years old and he's doing this Misa. If he's Shol ben Akinanis, Shol ben Akinanis is one of the people that went down to Mitzrayim. He's one of the people listed in the 70. Shol ben Akinanis, Shul Yom Shadoi, and Zimri are all the same. Again, he went down from Mitzrayim. He's over 250 years old. 210 years in Mitzrayim, 40 years in the Midbor. He's 250. This is all from the Chassam Sofer. This is not, you know, me making up numbers here. He's saying over here, 250. At this age, he should be considered like a mace. A 250 years old. Even if he's 100, he's like a mace. He's Batomina Oilam. Think of what Pirkei says about an 100-year-old man. What does Pirkei say? Everything is something. You're 10, you're 20, 15, 20, etc., 30, 40, 50, 100, kemes batomina olam. That's it. That's it. There's nothing else by an 100-year-old. It's kemes batomina olam. Says the Ksam Sofer, he's 250 years old. Maybe that's the reason why he's called Hamuket. He was already knocked down. Zimri was nothing. Zimri was nothing. He was already sold. There was like nothing there. Maybe but that's why Targum... It could be that that's why Targum Yonason, Targum Yonason says the word Gavra Ketila. It's zip that. And yet still, his taiva was so great that he picked up Kuzbi, literally picked her, dragged her by the hair and brought her to Moshe Rabbein in order to go through. It tells her, it says Aksam Sofer, you can't, you can't be careful about her eyes. You could be 100 years old and you still can't have unfiltered internet on your phone. <laughs> That's the idea behind it. Like you can't, you can't. I, I don't care how old you are. You could be 500 and it's still an issue. It's still an issue. Zimri is 250 years old. He has his birthday. He can't even eat the cupcake. <laughs> he's sitting there and he's like trying to eat. Like he's 250. And you know, when it comes to Cusby, he's like, I'm all in, all in. That's well, crazy. Off of his walker and start, you know, 
Yeah, this is a problem. This is an issue. And even so, it's still an issue. I say, it's, it's, it's not old age. The old age is there, and yet still there's a taiva, and that's crazy. And says the Kaddish, now we have another answer. Now we know why his name wasn't mentioned before, and it's mentioned without. Before now, it was before he'd actually done anything wrong. He was still thinking about the Misa, but he didn't actually do anything. As long as he hasn't done anything yet, the Torah did not want to publicize his name. After the Misa, we say, by the way, it was Zimri. Can you believe it? It was Zimri, the 100-year-old or the 250-year-old. That's who it was. Everybody would sit there and they'd be like, really? Wow, that, that's, that's just crazy. Well, if he has that issue, then I better be careful as well. And that's the idea behind it. That's how the Orachayim cutter says. It's absolutely unbelievable. Because Naim Latorah says another reason. He says, we're not going to mention his name before because he did such a massive chilu Hashem. He doesn't deserve to have his name in the Torah. Such a person is a chalasham. As a timeout, Paro gets mentioned in the Torah quite a bit. You know why? Because a massive Kiddush Hashem happened through Paro. Yes, he was evil. He did horrible things. But at the end of the day, there were awesome things that happened to Klal because of Paro. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm sorry? We don't even know his actual name, right? His actual name of Dayan or Rekayon, whatever it was, is not mentioned in the Torah. It's only mentioned by the Seder Adoros, etc. You're right. But the fact that Paro even makes it or something happened, Avimelech, there's a huge Kiddush Hashem from Avimelech, what happened to Avram Avinu. Avimelech's mentioned in the Torah. Anybody who's mentioned a Kiddush Hashem happens to him. Zimri was a massive Chal Hashem until Pinchas turned it into a massive Kiddush Hashem. And isn't this interesting? This is a serious line, right? There's a Tikkun form over here. The Zayin Torah says, you notice in this Pasuk, Shem Ish Yisrael Hamuket. He's still called the Yisraeli. He's still called a Shem Ish Yisrael. Without, with everything he did, the horrible thing he did, causing 24,000 people to die, Mati, he's still mentioned. We still mention him as a Jew. Because in the end, a Kiddush Hashem happened. So before, we can't mention his name because no Kiddush Hashem was there, it was only a Chilol Hashem. Now, after Pinchas killed him, and people are like, oh my gosh, we've got to stay away from this stuff, and they realize that even a Nasi could fall prey, even a 250-year-old could fall prey, now, says Aznayim Latorah says, that's when we mention his name. When a Kiddush Shem came out from his actions, even though he had no intention whatsoever. Scary, isn't it? If you don't intend to make a Chilu Hashem, and a Chilu Hashem happens through you, that's a Chilu Hashem. I didn't mean to, but that's still a Chilu Hashem. If you don't intend to make a Kiddush Hashem, and yet you do make a Kiddush Hashem, that is a Kiddush Hashem. And that's what happens with Zimri. Zimri did the worst possible thing, and yet it's a Kiddush Hashem that gives him a tikkun for his neshama that allows him to go into Olam Haba and lets him be an Ish Yisrael. That's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. Sam Sofer says the same. It's in Drush's Pei Dalet Mabez in Chilak that after a Kiddush Hashem happened, now his name could be there. After all, we mentioned Haman all over the place. What did Haman do? <laughs> you know what he did? He had grandchildren that learned Torah and B'nai Brak. Because he had grandchildren that learned Torah and B'nai Brak and caused Kimu the Kiblu Iskoliudim. The Jews reaccepted the Torah through Haman. Sure, he tried to do something evil. But in the end, look at him. I don't want to say it this way, and I have no idea. Like, you, don't want, you want to be careful with this, right? No way. Look at the yeshiva world that happened after World War II. Look at how many people. I have no, absolutely not. I think his name would have been mentioned had a Torah been written. He would have been mentioned as the evil person who did something horrible to the Jews and killed millions of Jews. But yet, there's something that happens. Now, again, I have to be very careful with this because there's a definite difference between Shlumiel ben Suri Shadoi, whose name has four mentions of God's name, Shalom, Kel, Sur, and Shakoi, right? And even though he's known as Zimri as well, right, versus Hitler, Yemach Shemel. 
I know, I understand that. I, I get that. Paro is mentioned, though. But Paro is mentioned. Paro is mentioned. But not by name. No, you're right. No, yeah, there's title. a difference. I don't know what it would be. It would be so interesting to know like what that means and how it would be. I, I, it's, it's, it's just an interesting line. By the way, does anybody know why he's called Zimri? Specifically, why the word Zimri is his name? The Benish Chai also talks about this, but he doesn't talk about it over here. He talks about it in the Odeo Sechai. It's close, it's close, but it's not exactly. He says, when, there's a famous line from Machatzis HaShakel. It's a famous Vilna Gon, right? The Machatzis HaShakel goes the following. If you look at the word, it says, Memches Tzadi Yudsof, right? So he says, Tzedakah, right, is, keeps you far away from death. If you give Tzedakah, you're far away from death and you're closer to life. Why? Tzadi in the middle stands for Tzedakah. The letters closest to the Tzadi are a Ches and a Yud. Get it? Chai. And the letters on the outside are mem and saf, mace. You're further away from death than you are, well, you're further away from, from misa, and you get closer to life if you give tzedakah. There's another idea by Heshev's Hamasi that the Grah tries to use in this parsha. Zimri is the same way says the Benishchai. He quotes the Grah. The Benishchai doesn't quote the Grah often, but he quotes the Grah, and he says, that's Zimri. Zion Yud, on the outside, he was the gematria of Tov. Yud Zayin is 17, the gematria of Tov. On the outside, he looked awesome. On the outside, he looked like this massive tzaddik. On the inside, he was mar. He was bitter. And he felt like he deserved more. He wanted more. He was mar on the inside, Zayin Yud on the outside, Tov on the outside. This is an unbelievable little line from the Ben Yishchai. That's why he was called Zimri. The name Zimri comes from right over there. All right, we don't have that much time. Uh, we don't have any time at all. So we're going to have to stop right over here. We're missing two pages, guys. We barely got through two pages over here. There's so much over here. I'm going to try to do an addendum to this year. If anybody wants to look on, I'll do like a five-minute addendum. There's a, another Benishchai here. This is mind-boggling. But we'll stop right here over, here over here, guys. Have a good Shabbos.